Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Triple Jump podcast. It's a video game podcast. My name is Ben. And my name is Peter. Hello, Peter. Good morning. How are you? Hello, Ben. Good morning. I am fine. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm hoping we're on sort of the home stretch now with this, uh, you know, working from home potentially. Yeah. Yeah. Who who knows? Do you remember recording in that brand new podcast studio? Yeah, we did maybe three episodes, something Mm -hmm. like that. Uh, yeah, nice. It was very, was... very premium and nice, and I'm looking forward to going back. It was big old mixing desk, nice TV with a fancy graphic behind us, lovely TV. table where we had to sit at a strange angle because the lights wouldn't fit. Different coloured uh, LEDs and stuff. I think. Yeah, the back, fake brick. Back, back, yeah, on yeah. the wall. It was, it was good. Hey, I don't actually... tell them it was fake. What are you doing? Real brick made Real of brick. foam. Yeah, they are real foam bricks. They're just not. Well, they're not even code. that actually, because they're not because they're just flat, aren't they? It's just the face of the brick. It's, it's not like paper. this. Yeah, yeah. It's not. Like it's not made out of bricks. mega blocks or anything. Yeah, like that. I had a bit of a stress dream last night when I was going to bed. I thought I was oh, thinking man. about when we go back to the office. Yeah. Which, just to be clear, there is no roadmap for that. No. We're just, we're just hoping it happens this year. We just know that soon we'll have a vaccine and a microchip inside yes. our bodies, and then Absolutely. we'll be okay to go yeah. back. We'll be ready to roll. Yeah. And weather spoons will be open. Mm. We can all cough on each other in weather spoons. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I was having a bit of a stress dream because I was thinking, I cannot remember how to operate that mixer. We we only just learned. And it's and now it's been over a year and I can't remember which buttons to press. Oh, yeah. And I'm gonna have to ask Richard Tubman to teach me again. And I'm it's gonna okay. feel like a bit of an idiot. I mean, given that you've not seen Richard Tubman for a year, I think he might understand yeah. that you know you might have forgotten how to use that mixer. Maybe he was Between going to us, Japan, we wasn't he? Yeah, that's true. I mean, if we press enough buttons, <laughs> something something will happen. Yeah, uh, it's just been a while, but yeah, at some point we'll be able to record in the same room again. I appreciate that. Perhaps the video component of this podcast isn't nearly as appealing as it once was. <laughs> People are probably really enjoying the way we're walking, and that's gonna. You have to remove that from the running order. I know oh. the big, the big ugly font. Where are we walking? We could have that on the TV in the background, though. It could just be. We could animate a different thing every week ahead of time. Oh goodness! Doesn't that sound like fun? Yeah, 
Everyone would love that. Mm. Uh, but we're a little way away from that. We might get there eventually. Who knows? For now, we're recording at home in... You're not in a bedroom, are you? You have a special room. It's. I mean, it's a spare bedroom. At the moment, there's no bed in it because uh, we moved into this during lockdown. I was like, well, we're not putting a bed in here. This is my office. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, a spare room. A spare room and a bedroom. And this is where we're going to do the Triple Jump video game podcast from for the foreseeable as we continue into the second full year of lockdown. I'm trying to remember when we actually started working from home. It was towards the end of this month, wasn't it? It wasn't like early March. No, it was like tail end of March, early April. You started working from home just before the rest of us because you I did. went home feeling a bit queasums on yeah, like it the wasn't Thursday COVID, or Friday or something. Thankfully, it was yeah. not COVID. Um, what was the... Hang on, I remember actually. I'm going to do I'm gonna do some quick searches now. Right. Because I did a Bioshock stream from home. Uh, okay. Let's, uh, let's see. Bioshock part three. It's either... It might be part three. Yes, here we go. Um, it aired on the 17th of March was my first stream from home. Wow, okay. Uh, so it might have been just before that. So we're closing in on a year. We are, sure, yeah. There's a, a clip of me from my uh, last stream from the office. You'd already gone home uh, that week. <laughs> and I say something like, yeah, I think so. Like Ben at the moment is working from home. And I think we're all probably going to be working from home as of next week for, oh, for a man. short time or something. So it might have been the next day. For a short time, yeah. My, my next, my Tuesday, when I used to stream on a Tuesday, it might have been the next day that we got the go home order. Yeah, that could have been it. But you didn't come in on the Monday. I did my stream and then, yeah, I don't know. Wow. It's crazy to think about. Anyway, I had a bit of an existential crisis opening up the NHS app yesterday. And they said, there is a national lockdown in your area. And I was like, oh, God, there is, isn't there? <laughs> I can't I can't go anywhere. <laughs> Forgot about that for a brief minute. It was like, oh, just la, 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 living in my little house bubble yeah and i was like oh man better play video games i suppose <laughs> and now it's time to talk about them this is the triple jump video game podcast of course we are sponsored each and every week by a very real sponsor uh, a sponsor in fact that i just realized it is my responsibility to read out which presents some issues because i forgot He's so f- what what ben means by that and i'll just fill while mm, ben has yeah. a hunt around for the ad read is that ben has an ad read that was emailed to us by a real sponsor but all he's done is forgot forgotten to print out that ad read to read now mm-hmm. as an ad um it's not that he's forgotten to like i don't know make one up or something <laughs> no no absolutely not no. have you got it yet or do you need yes i've got it it's okay. bad though that's okay so do you know how in some parts of i want to say america yeah. You can it's okay to hunt the boars because they're destructive and they breed a lot. Right. Um Call of Duty has sponsored uh cleanup efforts because of the damage to farmers' crops and has lands it? And, and so yes, they have. Uh and it's an initiative called I bet you can't guess it. No, I've no idea what's coming. Call of Duty Boar Zone. Oh, wow. And in if you sign up, you can get some really cool night vision goggles, and then just go and kill some animals, kill some boar. Yeah, that's yeah. real. That's a real sponsor. And Good. It's not real, Peter. It's not. Oh, uh, thank, thank, thank the Lord! What I a don't relief. Know if, don't know if you can you could tell that that was not real, but it, it's not real. Of course, it is illegal to kill boar anywhere. 
because boar are famously nice animals. I think it is in the UK, I would have thought, but I don't think it is in America. They're but... very polite, yeah. good, good boys and girls. Yeah, very the well wild behaved. adjective that comes before is is a gross misrepresentation of what they're like. They should be called polite boar, I yeah, think. I think so. Yeah. Nice boars. Mm. Um, although, whenever they talk about it in medieval fantasy or in historical accounts when they have feasts, how delicious did wild roast wild boar sound? Oh, yeah, with a big apple in its mouth. Yeah. Sitting on a plate, looking exactly like it's only just been killed. And, mm-hmm. you know, is it edible inside? Hopefully, but oh, whatever. Who knows? Mm. Could be full of farmers' crops. It's precisely why it's dead in the first place. Exactly. Stupid uh, boar. This is, as Ben said, the Triple Jump podcast, which is a it's a veganism podcast where we talk <laughs> about not killing wild animals and eating them. Boars are vegetarians, right? Yeah. That's what you call animals, vegetarians. Vegetarians. That's the, that's the descriptive term. No, of course, that's not a fake. That's not a fake. That is a fake sponsor we are of course sponsored by our wonderful patrons over at patreon.com forward slash team triple jump where for as little as one dollar per month you can submit questions to the podcast uh, and we will answer them on here now we do need to decide where we're walking today maybe it is through a farmer's field as if we're scouting for boar i wonder if we've got a photo of the studio (laughs) that we're supposed to do this podcast from I don't know, actually. I mean, there are... I think there's there's someone at the office. We could ask them to take a photo of the studio. Or we could just do a screenshot of us sitting in it from a, a, the, one of the three podcasts we recorded from it. Yeah, um, why not? Why not? Us walking across a photo of us from yeah. the studio last year. Mm-hmm. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. That's where we are. Now, the first question, Peter, from a patron comes from... Connor Mountford. Thank you, Connor. Connor says... Hey lads, the island of Tsushima has welcomed the dev team for Ghost of Tsushima and basically praised them for bringing attention to the island's history. My question is, are there any times slash places you'd like to see explored in gains, it says, but it (laughs) probably means games. Uh, Obviously, Assassin's Creed does this, but it's not very historically accurate. Thoughts? Question mark. Well, thank you, Connor. Thank you, Connor. Um, I think to an extent, the... The good slash bad people at Ubisoft, I suppose the developers aren't as bad as the publisher, but the the good people at Ubisoft would maybe be a bit upset that you said it's not as it's not historically ac- accurate. Now I guess like certainly the storylines are not because they have Templars doing magic and like mm. you know waving sticks around and stuff, but Men jumping um, off church roofs and not dying. Yeah, so the actual activities that go on there are not historically accurate at all but uh, i think a lot of work goes into really trying to use like reference material and primary sources and stuff to to make those things look relatively uh believable and and true to true to history as from what i've seen anyway in the making of videos but anyway that's all by the by Hmm. um however it does lead me into one of the time zones that i would love to see more in video games uh, I've talked about it before on the podcast. I'm a big fan of playing games set in like Victorian, uh, like Dickensian cities, you know, I mean, mainly London, I guess, but, you know, a kind of a big, smoky, dingy, uh, almost, I guess not steampunk. I think there's a there's a subgenre that's not steampunk called like gas lamp punk or gas lamp 
Like I mean, di- it's a, it's a diesel punk. Well, there's lots of punks, aren't there? I diesel is like when there's like big weird space trains going around and stuff like that. I think, but it like, is gas punk. Gas punk, or there's like Maybe. gas lamp fantasy, which is obviously a subgenre of fantasy rather than a history. But in any case, you know, where there's like big pea soup fog in uh, going across the cobbles in through the Victorian slums and stuff. I think it's a really cool atmospheric setting, and I. I very much enjoyed Assassin's Creed Syndicate for a while until I realized, hey, it's an Assassin's Creed game. I've got to run around and just kill loads of people and tail people and engage in this story about the Templars that I've never been interested in from almost from the beginning of the series. So, you know, I'd like to see more of that. I mean, The Order 1886 was... um, That was... Again, it was like in a fantasy setting, but it was based on... uh, sort of victorian england so Mm. i'd like to see a historic historically accurate london maybe a sherlock holmes game or uh yeah something like that that'd be cool um the other one geographically close to home that i'd love to see which is probably not going to happen for a long time now off the back of um uh, the latest assassin's creed game is like pre-roman britain so we're only a few hundred years out with uh valhalla which is a shame because now I know that Assassin's Creed are not going to be doing like a Celtic Assassin's Creed <laughs> for a long time, if ever. Um, but yeah, I, I think like the the pre-Roman religion of like Britain and Northern Europe, like Northwest Europe is quite interesting. Mm. Um, is that Boudicca in that? Yeah, I mean, well, she was she was like resistance against the Roman invasion. So that was like literally That'd be a transition cool time as well. Actually, I'd like to see that. Yeah, yeah. So that was um, the transition period from you know into Roman times, but like before that was, I mean, I don't, I don't know any historical figures from that time, but it's you know it's associated with like, uh, well, just just the quote unquote pagan gods and, mm. uh, you know, yeah. I, I think it's I think it's interesting, uh, and there was actually a little bit of that in Valhalla. You you could go to like the sort of the pagan sites. Uh, there were a few of those to visit, but obviously it was set much after the the golden era of those people. So I'd like to see that as well. Uh, the only other one I've got as well, I thought I should I should pick one from that's not in England. Uh, I'd really like to see a game, and I'm sure there are some, but maybe like a really big AAA open world game set like around the Arctic Circle. Um, okay, with like Inuit culture. You could learn about. I, I don't. I I know precious little about that part of the world and and those people, um, and you know even just putting aside the uh, the anthropology of it, I think the uh, the natural landscape up there is is always breathtaking when you see it on TV. Um, and you know they've got some cool animals. They've got like polar bears and orcas and narwhals and walruses, uh, reindeer, wolves. It's all mm-hmm. it's all interesting stuff, and you've got the Northern Lights. It'd be like Skyrim, but in the real world, and maybe better. Um, maybe Skyrim as a setting, I I didn't actually dig that much. It was it was very I don't know. It was very bleak. I think you could make a non-bleak tundra if you wanted to, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I'd I'd really be interested to just learn more about that part of the world, either historically or even even in a modern setting. But probably historically would be even better because. Yeah. I'm ignorant, and I don't know these things, and I'd like to. Absolutely. Uh, We do have to be 
careful in our desires in that if we want it to be too real, it ends up becoming Kingdom Come Deliverance, which was a bit bit too realistic to really be hugely enjoyable. Well, funnily enough, that is an answer to a question coming up later ah, in the podcast. Okay, for me. okay. Well, we'll get to that then. But I think, as as you've explored there, neither of us can pretend to be experts on various periods in time, like a lot of people. But mm. that's why these sorts of games can be such powerful learning tools. Um, and I've leaned more into sort of the Assassin's Creed style of storytelling in that it is set in a real time period and it's accurate as much as a game about assassins can be, but mm. it's still, there are elements of it being a bit fantastical to, okay. to make it, a to make it you know, not, not that it wouldn't be unenjoyable, but even Ghost of Tsushima you know, plays fast and loose with the history of the Mongol yeah. invasion to make it more engaging from a fictional standpoint. Um, well, I guess I'm feeling that a little bit with the with the pre-Roman uh, Celtic Britain thing. I think there's yeah. an there's a kind of mysticism centered around that almost inherently that I think will be interesting to explore. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but in in that same vein, I'd quite like to see a period in African history explored. Oh yeah. Uh, obviously, Assassin's Creed has done Egypt. Uh, but a quick Google, because again, very misinformed over here, mm. reveals that there's a hugely, as you would expect, I imagine, a hugely rich history of, of pre-colonial empires and kingdoms all across Africa. Yeah. Uh, many of place. which existed alongside and after the downfall of the Roman and Egyptian empires. And did those kingdoms interact? And how did they interact? And w- what were the main players there? And how did it work? And there's so much... I don't know about that area of history that would be very interesting to see explored in even, as I said, an Assassin's Creed game. And I don't want to say for a second that, you know, Japan is overdone, Europe is overdone, the US is overdone, Britain's overdone. You know, I don't want to never go to those places in games ever again, but it would be really interesting to see a big budget AAA game take place in India, for example. Um, yeah, there's places that are certainly underrepresented. Uh, yeah. And it would be uh, fascinating to see those those stories told and brought to a wider audience. And I'd I'd be very interested in in experiencing those. And you know, especially with the Assassin's Creed series leaning into sort of the more uh, spiritual and mythological elements of the time periods that they uh, that they visit, um, mm. exploring those zones. In, in an African nation or kingdom or empire or what have you from a historical standpoint would be really interesting and I'd love to see that. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. I'd, I'd be up for that too. And depending on how far back you go, I mean, we all, all of humanity ultimately comes from Africa. If you, mm. if you want to go back thousands of years. So there's a whole, there's a, there's a whole, uh, yeah, literally thousands of years where you could drop in and go, hey, this is an interesting point or this one is or, yeah. you know, yeah. Absolutely. Get rid of those modern day segments, Ubisoft, and then yeah. we'll, and then we'll talk. But yeah, really interesting. I'd like to see. I'd like to see that. I'd like to see all of that. Mm. Yeah, Take me good. somewhere I've never been. Yeah, that'd be good. I want to learn. Wonderful. Well, it's time for a cutting edge uh, segment now. Is it? If you're up for it. Yeah, I suppose uh, so. I could stretch. I'd quite like to talk about the things that we are playing in mm. a segment called "What We Play In." Whoop. It's what we play in time, time for what we play in. Peter, what have you been playing? I've actually played um, precious little this week outside of our streams. I've played I've played little bits of things, but um, uh, for the most part, I've, as I say, I've, I've, we've been doing some streaming as usual. 
Um, I also finished uh, the Battlefront 2 campaign that I've been replaying on PS2 just because I saw someone playing on YouTube and I thought, oh man, yeah, I enjoyed that. I'm going to play it myself. Um, and uh, yeah, man, that's that's a fun game. It's very different to modern day Battlefront, uh, which in some ways I'm used to now because I've played a lot of that over the past few years. But uh, yeah, like what a what a good game, especially for its mm. time. Really, really good stuff. Um, but outside of that, I I played some more um, Jackbox the other day with friends. We've been we've made it. I mean, it's not quite a a weekly uh, or a, a regular. We we don't do it at regular interval intervals, but we just do it every so often when everyone's free. Like, oh, do you wanna should we do some Jackbox this week? Um, and uh, man, that game you can just just hop in and out whenever you like. And uh, it's I don't think we've had anything considering we've played. Um, games of Jackbox together what like maybe a dozen times over the the past lockdown we have not come across the same question or prompt I don't think on any of the games that we've played I, I, I'm reasonably sure of that so uh it's impressive it is impre- it's, it's great that like there's that much longevity in it and replayability because we're only using the same party pack over and over I think we're it's number one um so you'd think by now we would have had the same thing but uh seemingly not there must be thousands of options so uh Mm -hmm. i'm thoroughly enjoying that i mean thank god for things like jackbox over lockdown (laughs) i could not do many more zoom quizzes we do we do the odd one with the family which is nice because we tend to just do it when it's someone's birthday um so it's almost a little it's like a get together but you know over zoom and we do a quiz but I know that some people have been suffering over lockdown with like the weekly quiz every Friday. Come along, everyone. <laughs> yeah, that was definitely, I think, a fixture of a lot of people's lives for at least the first few months. Yeah. Until one brave family member stood <laughs> up and said, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's all fun and games, like for as long as everyone's up for it but uh certainly i think jackbox really mixes it up rather than like yeah just answering trivia questions over and over um Mm -hmm. which some people are just better at than others and it's usually the same people who win every every week (laughs) uh so yeah yeah, we we discovered um quiplash um not sort of halfway through this uh period of playing jackbox together like we would usually just go straight to drawful maybe do a bit of the uh the lying one i can't remember what it's called now fibbage, fibbage um yeah. and we we sort of skirted around quiplash for a while just because like none of us have played it yet and we were like i don't know what that is let's not let's not risk the next half hour being not good by playing that and man quiplash is the like the best game i know um your list is out now, isn't it, on Jackbox Games, is it? Yes, yeah, came okay. out at the beginning of this week. Spoilers. I know I know where that one places in that list, and rightly so, I think, because that's a great game. So I would recommend Quiplash to anyone who's not tried it yet in Jackbox Party Pack 1. Um, and uh, is that, that might be one of the ones that they brought back a few times, actually, in later packs as well. So uh, I th- Yeah, I think there's, there's sequels. Check in, it out, yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah go watch that list. Yeah, channel now. Do so. That's really what I've been playing. Bit of bit of PS2 nice. and a bit of mobile. Um, bit of mobile. Mobile. Yeah. Delightful. Uh, how about you? I have been playing Persona Five Strikers, which I forgot to mention last week. I forgot to mention Control and Persona Five Strikers last week because I have a brain like a sieve. Apparently, oh 
Um, and it's just started to click for me now, Persona 5 Strikers, and I am about... I'm, I'm like 11 hours in now, but when it started to click, I was about 8 hours in. And I suppose the biggest sin that game commits, and I want to clarify that sin, this isn't a criticism of the game, and it's not necess- it's, it's nothing that, they, that could have been avoided either. But because it presents itself so much like Persona 5, it can fool you into thinking, sick, more Persona, let's do this. And it is more Persona. Except for the entire combat system, obviously, which is completely different. And right. it took me, because I don't play Musou games, I don't play Dynasty Warriors and that kind of stuff, that genre, mm. really. Um, it took me a while to get used to all of the buttons and the new mechanics, because fundamentally, it's it's largely the same sort of type advantages, and you collect different personas, and you can switch personas on the fly, um, but it it did it did take me a little while for it to sort of, as I said, click. And mm-hmm. I did actually have to Google like, what's going on with this first? They're called jails in this game instead of palaces. What what's going on with this first jail? Like, what I'm dying a lot. I don't understand. What am I doing wrong? And of course, it was because I was mashing square <laughs> because I thought it's a Muso game. I right. played Dynasty Warriors once on PS2 ten years ago, twenty years ago even. Um, you just mash square and you win, right? And then you get a special move and you can do... It's not that simple. There is... It's quite layered and you do have to get pretty good at it before you... But once you get into a groove and you actually get enough money to uh, buy new weapons and stuff, because it really is... The first jail is quite hard and the Google results backed me up in that and a lot of people said, get to the second jail and then you'll, you'll probably be fine. Right. And that was true. I lowered the difficulty down and I I got through the first dungeon, the first jail even, and now I've bumped it back up to normal uh, after going through the second jail. The second jail was a breeze in comparison because I actually had the funds to f- properly equip my team. Right, um, I yeah. knew how to play the game properly. Like I was running out of um, SP, your magic points, almost immediately. Mm-hmm. And I was just I was just playing it wrong, basically. I was playing it like it was Persona 5 and it's not Persona 5. Uh, but then once I once I got that down, it really started to make sense, and I've really started to enjoy it. There's like a bond system which takes the place of the social links, uh, and you level up the the bonds by doing various things and passing various story objectives, and then you get points which you can spend on various permanent perks, like you will recover a bit of health after each battle, and so on. And once you start investing in that and it starts to all make sense and all the new mechanics fall into place, it's really good. And the story is interesting so far. I've left Tokyo. I'm now in the little camper van and we've gone across to a couple of different cities now. And the usual diary system of spending time doesn't really exist in this game. It doesn't work how it does in normal Persona games in that you can just chat to anyone and the the day will progress when the story wants the day to progress. So there's there's less pressure right, on what okay. you do in your spare time. But it's just nice. It's nice having the original cast and all the voice actors back again and experiencing this new story and a new type of game in the Persona series, uh, series while it still has the veneer of looking uh, and sounding exactly like Persona 5. And uh, I'm looking forward to playing more of it. Excellent. Uh, but it's it's good. It is good. But that's that's not all I've played. I also played that new zombies mode, Outbreak. Oh yeah, yeah. And that's that's pretty good fun. That 
It is basically zombies, but in a battle royale area. So yeah. you and your friends drop in. There aren't other teams, but it does in terms of the map size. And there's various different objectives to complete on the map, little map markers. There are lots of vehicles to get around in. Um, and when you're done, you can warp to the next area. But each area is so massive and so detailed, it seems kind of crazy to me that these were created just for zombies. It almost feels like maybe that's the next Warzone map if they were to stitch it together. Right. Um, because they're really big. They're really big maps, and there's a, there's a few of them. Uh, but I was impressed by that, and I may play some more of it at some point. I played a little bit of We Were Here, which is a game that was free on PlayStation recently, not with Plus. They just made it free. And it's right. been out for a while. It's got two sequels out now, and it's basically a an escape room game where one of you plays as the librarian who's guiding the uh, the adventurer out of their various rooms and puzzles, but you can't see each other's screen. And you have to rely on voice chat to describe what's going on and help each other through the puzzles. Uh, it, it's really fun, and I've really enjoyed it, and we should probably play it at some point on stream. Yeah, it's that, good. Stuff's, that stuff's always a lot of fun. It's a bit like um, uh, keep talking and nobody explodes, I guess. Yeah. In a, in a way, I mean, that's very much a high-pressure situation, but... Uh, I've played games before where you, one person has to. I think I played a. I think I played a Minecraft adventure map with a friend once, where mm. uh, you were going down parallel paths and you could each see different stuff as you went along, and you had to like solve puzzles together. So yeah, that's good. Yeah. Um, so that's a good one, and it's got a, a fourth game in the series coming out soon. So if I finish this one off and enjoy it, I may pick up the other ones because they're quite cheap. Uh, Persona Four Golden continue to play that in bed. That's that's a fun game. I like yeah. that one. And finally, I've been playing the PlayStation Plus game for this month, Remnant from the Ashes, which is a Souls-like with guns. And I don't normally like Souls-likes because I feel like it's an un unfair comparison because I immediately go in expecting a, a, a Soulsborne game, which I never get hmm. because these games are not only fundamentally different in a lot of ways, but also they, a lot of them just don't have the budget to, to be like that. Yeah. And... So Remnant from the Ashes, the only reason I feel like I'm continuing to play it and have played it as much as I have, because I'm playing through it with a friend, is because of the co-op. If it was single player, I would have dropped it by now, because it is very much the definition of a double-A game. It's good, and it's functional, and I am enjoying it, but it's got it's it's very beige, the level design is really quite bland, and the bosses, are they feel like... The, like a boardroom meeting they've they've sat down and said how do we make the bosses as challenging as those seen in the Soulsborne series and their answer is throw a million things at them at once right and it just it honestly the playing through the levels preceding the bosses is a walk in the park and then you go into a boss and it's just like the biggest difficulty spike imaginable in a frustrating and unfair way and when you're playing in co-op as well uh, the healing mechanic is so slow that you often die before you can heal. And the reviving mechanic is also so slow and so and you expose yourself so much reviving your teammate that it essentially serves as just basically sacrificing yourself for your teammate because you usually, like over 50% of the time, die while you're trying to revive your teammate and you just do it and then you die and like then it's just your teammate playing. Yeah, basically, <laughs> like in Colonial Marines. So it's got a lot of quirks, shall we say. It's rather unpolished, but for what it is, I am enjoying it 
and uh, I think I will see it through uh, to its conclusion. Again, just proving our point that we've made before, co-op makes any game better. Mm. Yeah, it's true. And that's what I've been playing. Well, wonderful. That means it's time to move on to question two. Yeah, and it's John Oliver. Oh, again. We're on it. This guy says, Hey lads, hope all is well. I was wondering if you've ever been let down by a game that seemed perfect for you. I'm a big fan of the Spider-Man comics and loved some of the earlier games we got on PS1 and PS2. However, the 2018 Marvel Spider-Man game just wasn't for me and I can't explain why. I know fundamentally it's an excellent game and I should love it, but I found myself disinterested in the game after playing a large portion of the campaign. Have you ever had a similar experience? Many thanks and take care. Thank you, John. Thank you, John. Um, I mean, I'm currently, as I've uh, said on uh, a couple of episodes ago, I'm currently kind of going through this with Horizon, um, which, you know, there was this big build up to me saying, I'm finally going to play it. I've I've had to put it off for ages because other games have been coming out. We had the PS5 coming out and I wanted to play all that stuff and da da da, all these reasons. And then I finally sat down and, and played Horizon. And I just, it should be, it should be perfect for me. Like, the aesthetic, I think, is really interesting. I find the story very interesting. Um, and I know just from other people who've played it that it's supposed to be a you know a very good quality game. It's a lot of people's... It's, you know, it's up there with people's favourites on uh, PS4 um, of, of all time. But I just... And it really, I think it, it is partly just uh, to do with where I am right now or where I was at the time that I started the game. I think I wasn't ready, as I said at the time, for a an open world game, non-linear, like uh, the, the most recent big game that I had played was probably The Last of Us Part 2. Although, no, I suppose I played Miles Morales as well, which is, you know, it's open world to an extent, although it's still mm. kind of directed, I suppose. Like, you can't... It's on a smaller quite, scale, isn't it? Yeah, you, you can't... I don't think you can really be overwhelmed by what's going on in New York in Miles Morales because you can just very easily go from A to B and play the game almost in a linear fashion. Um, but yeah, you know, the, before that, um, I'd played Last of Us Part Two, which I thoroughly enjoyed. But I think one of the things I did enjoy about it was that it just sort of told me where I'm going next and this is what we're doing and follow this this corridor effectively mm-hmm. um so i uh yeah I, I found i found horizon a little bit overwhelming um and i'm sure if i go back to it at the right moment i'll i'll get more out of it but um so that was that's a kind of an o- ongoing one but uh the other thing i was going to say for this question was kingdom come deliverance nice. um so it sh- it should have been perfect for me in that another time period I love playing in video games is sort of uh, medieval, uh, the medieval period or the Dark Ages. And uh, I didn't mention it in question one because there's lots of games that, that do that in their own way. So I don't think we, we need to see another one soon. But um, that game should have been should have been ideal. People were talking about how it was going to be kind of like oblivion but set in a real world situation and i knew going in as well that it was like very much centered around this this real period of uh, european history it was like bohemia and it like involved the hungarian like royalty or something i don't really remember anymore but like i i knew going in that it was based on this this thing so that didn't take me by surprise but it was just a bit 
it, it, it almost felt like a survival game. I, I seem to remember it having lots of little bits of micromanagement. Like, I think you had to... Uh, I, I Honestly, I can't even remember at this point, but I remember being so put off by all of the stats in my menus and all of the things I had to juggle around. And, yeah, I just... I, I wanted a world like that to play in, like that kind of a sandbox, this big uh, medieval world that had been very lovingly created and very realistically done, uh, but without everything that it came with in terms of managing your own character. And like, it was a bit too RPG heavy for me. And I think a lot of people found that it was a very, it was a highly anticipated game. Um, and I seem to remember it not going down as well as people had hoped. I can't, I might look up actually how it reviewed on Metacritic, but um, yeah, that one I really thought I would love and I didn't end up loving it in the end, which was a shame. It's a shame. It sort of looked like realistic oblivion, didn't it? Which, which yeah. drew a lot of people in. Yeah. Um, I think it reviewed okay, but it sold really well. I think it did over a million copies for a relatively small studio and I think they are working on a sequel. Right. But- as we spoke about in the first question, I think there is a point where games like that that are trying to be realistic do they they sort of cross up they present themselves when they're presenting themselves as sort of a mainstream game um they they can ultimately take things a bit too far to the point that where mainstream game players who aren't interested in the more specialist genres play a game like that can discover very quickly that it's it's actually not for them um yeah. And and that was that seemingly was the case here for a, for a number of people. It that's not to say it doesn't have an audience, and it's clearly uh, perfect for a very specific type of RPG enthusiast. But yeah. it wasn't it wasn't Oblivion, was it? No, no. And uh, as much as you know, I I agree with the comparison. I think I knew going in what to expect in in some of the ways that it wasn't going to be oblivion but in other ways it did it did kind of surprise me i'm mean, looking at the i've got it on metacritic here this is i find this in some ways i find this unsurprising so you're right that on pc it got 76 percent, which is you know that's all right it's it's green it's green colored on metacritic <laughs> um on ps4 it got a very nice 69 which is <laughs> amber excellent uh and in some ways, I can see why PC players, broadly speaking, would enjoy that game more than console players or mm. that console players would be a bit more, more disappointed with it. Because I think, although there's a lot of crossover and, you know, there are many games that are released on both platforms to the same level of success, I think there's... I think I'd like to think some people would agree with me that, like, P- there are more people who play PC games who like micromanagement. Um, and that kind of thing whereas there are maybe more people who play console games that prefer something with a bit more focus and a bit more direction and actually in some ways that probably just comes down to the hardware like it's easier to play with a load of stats and things not necessarily in kingdom come deliverance but in you know rts's or whatever when you've got a mouse and keyboard Mm -hmm. and so i think there's like maybe a predisposition uh, in PC gamers to perhaps get a little more out of a game if it's got that level of detail. Um, yeah. Whereas, yeah, it doesn't surprise me that it did better on PC than than PS4. It's a lot easier to browse menus and stuff. Complicated, yeah. complicated menus filled with things. 
and you, you just get it more often in games on PC, I think, so they're perhaps a bit more used to it, people mm. who play PC games a lot more. But uh, yeah, it's a shame. I was I was looking forward to that, and it wasn't quite what I expected or what I wanted. Yeah. What about you? Well, uh, mine, the one I put down is Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. Yeah, right. Which, as a big From Software fan, I thought, excellent new game, new publisher for some reason, and new style of game, it looks like. Who knows? Maybe it could be my new favorite Soulsborne Shadow Die Twice game, mm-hmm. and it was not at all. It was very no. different. Like it, it, And I think I struggled a lot because I was going into it as someone who'd spent a long time learning how to play Soulsborne games. And then it asks you to throw all that out the window. And that's all good and fine if you're enjoying yourself and you want to commit to actually learning that new system. But I I didn't, and I wasn't enjoying myself. And I was really sad that I didn't enjoy myself yeah. because I wanted to like it a lot. And it's it's a big ask, I think, not to say that, you know, woe is me, why, why doesn't the world... Why aren't From Software thinking about me specifically at all yeah. times? But it was a big ask for me to have already spent the better part of a decade learning a studio's signature gameplay mechanics, only to be given a new game and told, oh, no, 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 we want you to learn new ones now. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, don't, I can't. Like, I just don't, I don't want to do that, uh, you know, on pain of not having fun while I do it. <laughs> yeah. And so I ended up shelving that game after only playing it for a few hours and never went back to it and i still don't i've said several times like maybe i will go back to it but i still just have no motivation or inclination to go back to it and maybe if that game had co-op i would give it another try but the act of booting it up myself and having to learn this game is just not an attractive prospect to me at all and Mm. that's a real shame because it's clearly an excellent video game and people love it. And several of my friends who love uh, Soulsborne games love it. And both have said, you just need to stick with it and learn how to play it. And it's like, I don't want to learn how to play it, though. I've already done that (laughs) with Dark Souls. Don't make me do it again. So part of me is kind of worried about Elden Ring for the same reasons. And I'm really hoping that it is Soulsborne-style combat, at the very least, so that I don't have to... I can enjoy it and not have to learn something all over again. Um, or I should say unlearn how to play Dark Souls games and Bloodborne games or whatever. So hopefully, especially with that leaked footage, if it's real, the Elden Ring is more of a return to their usual gameplay because Sekiro really lost me on that front. I was in, I was like in on everything else apart from the gameplay, which is obviously one of the most important parts of a game. Yeah. I, I just couldn't get into it, and I, I was frustrated, and I didn't want to play anymore, and I still don't want to play, and that's such a shame. It is, yeah. I remember thinking that at the time, when you, you first sort of... You kind of gave your very first impressions of it, and you were like, mm, I'm not not quite sure, and I was like, okay, well, you know, I'm sure I'm sure you, you'll come round to it, you'll warm up to it, and then... Mm. Yeah, just the more the more you spoke about it, we're like still still just not getting it. I was like, oh, that's a shame because I know fun. it's your supposed to be your thing. It is. It, it wasn't really from software games are supposed to be. My, and now, as I've said before, I've realised that actually it's just Soulsborne games are my thing, 
Mm, and FromSoft yeah. can make things that I don't like, and that's okay. Yeah, maybe you should play Kingsfield. Maybe I should. Let's take it back. Well, that terrible ninja game they made for the Xbox 360 as well. Yeah. Before Dark Souls. Mm-hmm. That'd be fun. Anyway, it's time to move on, Peter. It is. Let me just reach across my desk. Yes, uh, oh, it's under my keyboard. I got it. Oh, yeah. Yes, it is. It. Time to it. move on. It's time to move on to something very strange. It's called Weird News. Weird News. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. It's weird news time. Time for some weird video game news. Peter, you're up first. What have you got? Thank you to everyone who sent us this story that was uh, destined for the podcast. I'm sure even if it hadn't been brought to our attention by the audience, it would definitely have made it into the podcast Uh, There are too many people to name who sent it to us, but thanks one and all. According to Kotaku.com and lots of other outlets, this is by Zach Zvison, or Zvison, probably Zvison. Bored fugitive caught by police after venturing out to buy Call of Duty. Hooray. Fantastic. Well done. Good move. After escaping from jail last year and hiding for months, a man in the UK was arrested after leaving hiding to buy a copy of Call of Duty, only to get caught by the police in the process. According to the West Midlands Police, 36-year-old Clint Butler, an escaped prisoner in Birmingham, ventured out on January the 13th to buy a copy of Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. Butler had been hiding from police as back in... Butler had been hiding from police, comma, as back in November of last year, he had slipped out of HMP Spring Hill Prison. Well, that's a tautology, because HMP is Her Majesty's Prison. I think you'll find. <laughs> Rest in peace and peace. Oh, dear me. Uh, located in Buckinghamshire, where he was serving a 17-year extended sentence for crimes including robbery and firearms offences. Oh, dear. Mm. Uh, when local police spotted Butler and his friend, the pair changed direction to avoid the cops. This caught the attention of the police, who asked Butler what he was doing out, 
and about during the pandemic-induced lockdown. He replied, I've come to get a copy of Call of Duty because I can't sit around in lockdown, the West Midlands police reported. Goodness, that's, that's like he was in the room. I know. It was brilliant, wasn't it? The officers then asked for some details, at which, Butler, at which point Butler attacked one of the officers. After being arrested, it was revealed that Butler had given the police a fake name. He received a 13-month sentence for his original jailbreak and an additional six months for the altercation with police. Superintendent Nick Rowe of the West Midlands Police seemed confused why Butler even came out to purchase the game, saying quite why he decided to risk being returned to prison by making the idiotic decision to come into town during lockdown with a friend to buy a video game will remain a bit of a mystery. In future, to all you folks out there trying trying to avoid the often violent police found across the globe... Remember, you can always buy games digitally. That's a bit of a weird wow, sentence a to put in the end. Sentence there. at the end from Kotaku. There was no, no suggestion that the Buckingham, the West Midlands Police were violent to Butler. But wow! In future, to all you folks out there trying to avoid the often violent police found across <laughs> the globe, remember you can buy games digitally. Jesus, I mean, we're not going to get into a discussion about how perfect police are or aren't, but no. that was that was unnecessary. <laughs> but that was—it's just not relevant to the story here. I don't no. think. How about talk about the fact that this man was in jail for robbery and firearms offences, perhaps? Also, uh, did you know what form the assault on police took when they tried to take him in? Uh, no, no, I didn't. Kicked one of them square in the diddly dongs. Oh dear me! Wow, yeah. that's why he got like. An extra six months for the, yes, the diddly deservedly. dong. Kick. So you don't kick police diddly dongs. I mean, the the real controversial sentence that should be at the end of this article is that clearly video games cause robbery and firearms offences, right? <laughs> That's an undeniable link. Definite fact there, based on a sample size of one. Science. Yeah. It's just science. Wow. There we go. A clever a clever man there doing a clever thing. What a clever man. Yeah goodness me uh i've got a new story from an outlet we have not used before oh is it kotaku no it's not actually i'm being serious it's pure xbox oh okay pringles is running a gaming boot camp with an xbox series x up for grabs a gaming boot camp okay yeah this is from daniel hollis if pringles isn't out there making flavors based on fictional halo animals that's a that's a link to a different article. Wow, did they do that? That's about. Uh, <laughs> then they're trying to find new ways to inspire and encourage gamers. The latest idea is what they're calling a gaming boot camp, which will see one lucky winner getting a two-week paid salary based on the national average wage to improve their gaming skills, as well as an Xbox Series X console. To apply, entrants must be in the UK, 18 or over, and elaborate on a reason why they deserve to win in an Instagram post that will go live later this week, while also tagging at Pringles Gaming and including the hashtag, hashtag Pringles Gaming UK. The contest will begin on March the 9th, and a winner selected on March the 29th by gaming influencer Kaidoz, I think, right. and an independent judge. The one who shows the most enthusiasm and finds fun, creative ways to use Pringles' signature pop, play, and eat slogan <laughs> will earn extra points. That's a signature slogan. I like Everyone knows it. I like the order of that. It's not pop, eat, and play. It's you, you open it, then yeah. play some games, and then yeah. later have a snack of the yeah. open Pringles. Otherwise, you'll get greasy, greasy mitts on your on your thumbsticks and then the rubber will perish and you'll say oh they made these controllers terribly it's not about me and my weird oily fingers (laughs) yeah 
My thumbsticks are fine. Along with the competition, a two-week gaming plan has been crafted in collaboration with a well-being personal trainer, and it involves a mixture of a specific diet, gaming challenges, and regular exercise. To be honest, we could do with doing some of these tasks, so maybe we'll join in for the fun of it. Would you like to hear uh, about the two-week gaming plan? I mean, I hope the diet is just Pringles every well, day. <laughs> it was put together with a dietitian, but Pringles are are on there. Right. Because of course they are. Here is the photo. I'm sending it to you now on Slack okay. of the diet plan. Uh, you've got morning stretches on Monday morning, porridge with blueberry and honey. And then uh, it just says gaming sessions. Don't forget to stand for three minutes every hour. Afternoon, lunch, harissa roasted chicken with roasted oh. vegetables. Gaming, don't forget to stand for three hours, three minutes every hour. Exercise, walk, aim for 4,000 steps. Snack, crudité with hummus. Crudité with hummus. Yeah, and then for dinner, you've got tofu curry with brown rice. People are going to be spending their the, the wage that they're getting for this two weeks on just the <laughs> ingredients alone. Well, but if you look to lunchtime on Tuesday, lunch on Tuesday is leftover tofu curry with brown rice. <laughs> Yummy. Ex- Exercise in the afternoon on Tuesday is is just listed as full body workout. Yeah. I don't know what that is, but you do have chicken salad with crumbled feta for dinner. And then on Wednesday, you have leftover chicken salad with crumbled feta for lunch. I think, is it every day you just have yesterday's tea for lunch? Is that how it works? No, the next day you have pesto salmon with roasted vegetables, which does sound delicious. You do. Uh, Exercise, quick walk, snack, chocolate (laughs) rice cakes. But I do enjoy on Wednesday and Friday for snack for a snack. It's a thirty gram. It just says thirty gram Pringles. (laughs) Yeah, which is what you've. I don't know how big a regular thing of Pringles is. Let's find out. Oh look, Friday is treat day. You get a beef burger with sweet potato fries. Oh wow! So forty gram of Pringles is you know the mini cans that you can get. Yeah. So it's so it's people also ask how many Pringles is thirty grams? Roughly thirteen crisps. Right. Roughly. So you can have thirteen Pringles on a Wednesday. I like um, that on the weekend. There's just a column for weekend instead of a separate one for Saturday and Sunday. Yes. And there's no mention of food at all. It's like the inverse Butterfield diet plan. What an absurd assumption that whoever wins this thing is going to follow this guide at all and they aren't just going to sit on their ass and presumably eat the palette of Pringles that they get for free yeah, while playing Call of Duty all day. Because that's what I would do. Mm-hmm. I'm not eating my tofu curry, my crumbled feta, Why is my full body workout. Why is some of the text highlighted under Monday... I think that was a, a, a bad screenshot. A bad screenshot on the part of the article writer. Entirely possible, where yeah. they'd selected some when they when they did it. But anyway, if you're feeling lucky, then be sure to have a pop on Instagram and use your Pringles-inspired creativity to show why you're the best person for the job. As for us, you'll probably find us munching on them while playing games, maybe with a little exercise thrown in. <laughs> 30, so there we are. 30 grams? No, I'll have a, I'll have a one kilo... Yes, tube, I think I'll have thirty crisps. Thank you. Yes, a, a pallet of pallet of Pringles. Mm. Uh, so that competition is now live in the UK. So if anyone applies, let us know. Yeah, you should do it. I don't have Instagram anymore, but you should do it, Peter. I think just for the lols. Are you suggesting I need to go to boot camp, Ben? Is that what you're saying? No, I don't think you can get any better at um, anything crum- at crumbled feta or 
full games. body workouts. <laughs> full body workouts. I just think for the memes, yeah, you should you should do it because it would be a funny post because you need to show the most enthusiasm and find fun creative ways to use use Pringle signature pop play and eat slogan. So I think you're the man for the job, quite frankly. It would be funny if I could be asked. But I mean, maybe maybe that's <laughs> symptomatic of the fact that I do need to go to boot camp is that I can't even be bothered to try and get myself into boot camp for free. <laughs> so No, we've reached the point in lockdown now where motivation's got... It's not it's not fun anymore. I'd have to get dressed at the very least if I was yeah, going to do an Instagram post. I'm still post. wearing I'd, my pyjama top. Yeah, I'm in a dressing gown at the moment. It's great. I'm feeling really comfy obscene right like, i've got i've got clothes on underneath it don't worry but you know i'm feeling cozy presumably this two week off from work because you'd also need to book two weeks off from work how does this even uh, this this assumes that the person who wins is like in full-time employment right yeah so this is just not feasible for well, anyone I, I always wondered that about people who go on like big brother or i don't know why it was the first thing that came to mind but you know people who are on tv for like an extended period of time or they yeah they go to a retreat for a month like do you i know some people take it like a sabbatical but yeah i think i don't i don't think that how does it work the typical audience for a pringles game competition are probably not going to be in the position an employed position where they can just say hello can i have a sabbatical please yes um, I need so. to I need to work on my two week gaming plan. You understand? Yeah. Right? Imagine going to your boss and saying, "I haven't won, but I just want to give you a heads up that I am going to try and win a Pringles competition, and I might need two weeks off." And they yeah. will say, "What are you talking about? I will see you on Monday." <laughs> yeah. If you Bonkers. walk out that door, you're not coming back. You're not coming back. I will see to it you never work in this town again. Yeah. Pringles yeah. Skyver. <laughs> Unbelievable. Anyway. It'd be let's... very awkward if you worked for Walkers or something, wouldn't oh, it? Oh, boy. Layers. Yeah, no, that wouldn't be good. <laughs> How embarrassing. Mm. Let's move on let's. to the next question. Uh, yes, let's. It's from uh, Jack Caboose 97 Is it my turn to read? Yes, it yeah, is. Yeah, I think it is. Uh Hey guys, or girls, I hope or you're girls. keeping safe and well. I was watching a video about a blind gentleman completing Ocarina of Time and, and then in parentheses it says unrelated, obviously, I saw a debate about controls accessibility settings and how you can platinum the game in a sort of god mode state, not to mention finally, uh, not to mention finally, Last of Us 2 receiving heavy praise, and rightly so, for its inclusivity and accessibility. My question to you is currently, do you think games are doing enough to include the disabled community? And what do you foresee the future... Uh, what do you see for the future in this regard? Thanks, guys. Love the content. Even have my own Billy Ray Walrus, who sits next to my PS5. Wonderful. Thank you, Jack. Thank you, Jack. Hope your caboose as well. Yeah. Uh, so, this is... Uh, I think we talked about this in our discussion of The Last of Us Part Two in games of the year i think i brought this up saying that Mm. that was something that is people aren't talking enough about is the the level of like the different options for accessibility in that game are fantastic and i remember playing another game recently i suppose it must have been miles morales because that's kind of the the other kind of big big scale game that i've played uh that had um similar similar options maybe it wasn't that game but anyway i've played a a recent triple a title that had uh, a lot available in terms of um you know they do like different color uh options 
to like really highlight um like enemies against the background so it's like the they turn the background mostly like one kind of plain dark color and you have like red figures moving around things like that you know to to aid people who are visually impaired for example um you know there's all kinds of things i think they do lots of like audio based stuff as well you can change subtitle uh, font size on a lot of games now which is good mm-hmm. so i think in answer to the question i think finally sort of only just i think in enough is starting to be done to include disabled communities in gaming um i know there's a there's a limit to what you can do on uh uh, a mass scale for people with perhaps very specific needs, perhaps in terms of mobility and so on. But on the other hand, it's good to know that there are excellent charities uh, out there like Special Effect that mm-hmm. do um, controllers that allow you to like use eye movement uh, or, or different parts of your body if you've got like a difficulty moving your fingers perhaps. Um, so although that's not the kind of thing that can be very easily catered for just by a developer and publisher with every copy of a game. Uh, there are certainly options out there. I think that, yeah, it's now starting to get to a place where lots more people are able to enjoy games who ordinarily wouldn't have been able to, uh, you know, even just five years ago, uh, certainly 10, 15 years ago. Um, this thing about the 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 God mode thing mm. for completing Ocarina of Time. Uh, sorry. Uh, control. C- control, sorry, yeah. Um, so is that like, if you enable certain accessibility settings, it will allow you to platinum the game very easily? Uh, uh, it's essentially, yes. You can you can go into the options, and I did try it because it does make you feel like a superhero and it's pretty fun. Right. Um, you can just turn off damage. You just don't take damage anymore. Right. You, can, you can turn on a thing so that like one bullet will kill an enemy. Okay. So you can walk into rooms and just like fly around like a like a god and just completely destroy everything. And you can turn on like snap aim so that you, you when you aim it like just snaps you to the next yeah. enemy. It's really cool. Um, but yeah, they've they've not disabled um, trophies like they would in say I don't know like a GTA when you use cheats enable but, cheats because yeah. it's not technically a cheat. It's an accessibility mode and. Yeah, people will use that to get platinum trophies and the debate will rumble about grumble, grumble. It's not really in the spirit of things. What's to stop people from just using it to cheat and stuff? It's like, does it? The question that it all comes back to is, does that matter to you really that much that you would deprive someone of that mode if they needed it? (laughs) Like, I don't think it's that important. Yeah, Um, I agree. Um, I feel like, for one thing... I think trophies are far more about personal achievement than like, I don't think that many people look at other people's trophies and really, I mean, you might go like, oh, wow, okay, nice. You've got like a lot more platinums than me. And then mm-hmm. that's it. That's like, it's a it's a single thought yes. and then you move on with your life. Yeah. But no one really looks at someone else and goes, wow, you've completed control and got the platinum. Can I be your friend? Yeah. Uh, so- it's not multiplayer ultimately, is it? Yeah, so it's it's a lot more about your own achievement of feeling like, wow, I did that. So really, it's just your own it's your own honor system. Like, if you want to feel the sense of achievement, like I did that myself, then you won't enable that mode if you don't want to play with that mode. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, if you're not bothered, you can enable it if you like and do it, and that's fine. In the same way that some people, uh, you know, might look at a, a guide to find hidden collectibles. Like I've been doing that on my um, my Haven streams recently because uh, you have to like. There's an optional collectible you can get, 
And there have been times where I've got like four out of five and I'm like, oh, if I leave this area, I lose them all. You have to do it all in one visit. Right. And I'm like, I don't want to leave this area and come back and have to get those four again. So I'm going to just look at a guide and find where the fifth one is, you know. So it's all just your own choice. Uh, I don't think people need to worry about that at all. That's that's silly. No. So, yeah. No, it's fine. As I said, I don't think as long as it's not negatively impacting other people's experience, say, in, in a multiplayer setting, yeah, then it's not a problem. It's not a problem. Yeah. Um, but yeah, n- neither of us are really in a position where we have to make use of such features. No. So we we can't. Neither of us can speak on it from a matter of personal perspective or experience. Um, mm. But as you've said, it certainly things certainly seem to be improving. Yeah. Uh, it, it's it's seemingly becoming the norm among most uh, SIE first party games. Yeah. Uh, so all of Sony's first party stable, including The Last of Us Part Two, have quite extensive accessibility settings in them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Microsoft has produced a, 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 a special adaptive controller for the right. um, for the Xbox. You can buy that, and it's uh, I think it was designed with in collaboration with... I can't remember the full story. It, it was last year, maybe. I think perhaps some, some guys or some kid's dad made it for okay. their child, and then Xbox saw it and worked with them, and now it's in full production. You can buy one. Uh, to use special effect as you mentioned is a charity that works tirelessly to make controllers and control schemes for specific disabilities and there are still a lot of big games that don't offer as many options as as they perhaps should Mm. Um, and then when it comes to smaller developers and studios the extra time and manpower needed to come up with and implement these sorts of solutions might not always be possible just from a time constraint or a budget constraint and so on but that of course is going to get cheaper and easier across the board as the bigger outfits like sony and microsoft uh, normalize inclusivity in the ways that they are so while it's not perfect we're on the right track and things at least from the perspective of someone who doesn't have to make use of such features it seems to be getting better there seem to be more of them certainly yeah and I've got to imagine that some stuff is is very easy to implement, and uh, you know it, it really should be in in every game almost subtitles, at this point. For example, it, well, yeah, subtitles even just being an option like throughout the game. Sometimes it's like you can only get them in cutscenes, or uh, you know, they they might be really tiny text, and they should be a lot bigger because you know some people struggle to they might have like a visual impairment as well as uh, a hearing impairment um things like um uh you can get different sort of filters and uh kind of color gradings for people with color blindness as well which uh i i imagine that's relatively easy to implement into a game it's only like i, I guess i mean what do i know but like i i imagine it's only like adding uh, a filter in you know you can get you can unlock sometimes at the end of a game like a sepia mode or like a mm. like a, a really pop saturated color mode where it's all really bright and there must be uh I, I i think it has got to be fairly straightforward to just put some stuff in there that says okay well these shades should actually be changed to these shades so that they're easier to see and you know so there are there are things that i think really there's not much of an excuse anymore for them to not be included so yeah uh we've still got a way to go because not every game is doing this and every game should be doing this in terms of as you say subtitles and and some of the other things that must be simple to implement 
But um, yeah, it seems to be going the right direction, which is a good thing. Absolutely. And if you're making use of these features, reach out. Let us know how you're finding them. How have yeah. things improved in recent years? We'd love to hear from you. Let us know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Peter, it's time to move on to something rather large. It is. It is it's the, the big discussion. Big discussion. Big discussion time. It's time for the big discussion. This week's big discussion comes from Danny Lucas, who says, Good day. What is a game that you love but would change a major mechanic of? I've been playing the Final Fantasy VII Remake and love it, but I've never been a fan of Square's action battle systems and this dislike continues with the remake. I feel like they could have done something really cool with a modern turn-based battle system, such as what Persona 5 did. Cheers. Hmm. Really just uh, several questions bashing on Ben's favourite games this week. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Don't worry about it, Danny. <laughs> I understand that, though. Like Persona 5's battle system, while turn-based is a really good turn-based battle system with lots of nuance and um, skill hmm. in terms of you know doing it right and it's flashy and it looks cool and I really liked Final Fantasy VII Remake's battle system but if you didn't, that's okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, for me, uh, I, I came up with a couple. Uh, I... This is almost... This doesn't feel like... This feels less like they made a stylistic choice and really they just had, there was a massive oversight. And I complained about this at the time and I continue to complain about this because they're still not fixing it in patches or the upcoming new versions on Switch and PC or whatever. Crash Bandicoot 4, it's about time. Uh, in order to get certain achievements or collectibles or, or things in a level, you have to do it in one life, Right. And in other games where you've had to do things in one life, for example, uh, in Crash Warped, and I think in Crash 2 as well, there are these death route platforms that you can ride. And they're called death route platforms because you have to get to a certain point in a level and you hop onto a platform that has appeared there and it takes you, like flies away and takes you to a new part of the level, the death route, which is really hard to, to complete. And at the end, you get a gem and it's great. Now, if you die while you're trying to get to the death route platform, if you've not got any checkpoints yet and it takes you back to the start of the level, right to the beginning, I believe the death route platform will still be there if you just keep dying and going back to the start like that. It's only if you grab a checkpoint between the start and the death route platform that it disappears, because that makes sense. You're supposed to get there in one go, but if you're respawning right at the start of the level and get there in one go, you're getting there in one go. In Crash 4, however, if you die... Uh, it adds one to your death counter that they added into into the game. They've got that death counter now. And all the things that rely on you completing the level in one go uh, go out the window and you're not allowed to do it. So you have to reload the level and the loading screen is really long and annoying. <laughs> and uh, And that's it, really. You have to sit through a massive loading screen unnecessarily. Just let me not uh, not hit any checkpoints on the way there and if I die and get sent to the start of the level, then it counts as me doing it from the beginning. For the love of God. Um, it's really irritating. The fact that it already exists as a mechanic in previous games that were made in the mm-hmm. 90s. And they, they didn't implement it. And they've still not patched it in, even though I'm sure lots of people have complained about it. Um, uh, outside of that, I, I quickly I would just say that in the Spider-Man games, both um, Marvel Spider-Man and Miles Morales, I didn't like playing as... Well, actually, this isn't relevant to Miles Morales, but in, in Spider-Man, Marvel Spider-Man, I didn't like playing as MJ or Miles 
Um, okay. Thought it was a little bit, a little bit tedious. I didn't mind doing it uh, the first time uh, playing as Mary Jane. I was like, oh, this is cool. It's like a little bit of a, it's like a stealth thing, and you have to like distract your enemies, send them one way, and sneak around and go a different way. But I just, I could have really done with doing it once and then never doing it again. Like I right. would rather just play as Spider Man. Thank you. Um, That's fair. And then the only other thing I've got, it kind of, it doesn't really count, so I've just left it till the end. It's a game that I don't love, but I would love if they changed this major mechanic, which is Jack and Daxter is another game that I ought to have really liked, but I didn't because it was non-linear. And I'm so used to my 3D platformer games from that era being relatively linear, either entirely linear or relatively linear, and... Uh, Jack and Daxter felt way more open world to me. Admittedly, I didn't play much of it because I, I kind of switched it off very quickly after, I don't know, an hour or two. But uh, there were some very large open areas there and I just felt a bit overwhelmed. When it's a collectathon, I don't like it. I don't like collectathons in a large area, I think. I prefer it to be more, uh, you know, the odd branching path maybe, but mostly, mostly corridor based games if mm-hmm. possible. So, yeah, those are mine. What about you? Uh, I've got The Last of Us 1 and 2, well, even more in Last of Us 2, running mm. around mashing the pickup button in right. every room. Yeah. Uh, I don't mind crafting. I think the crafting is an important part of the game. Yeah. But scouring every room or feeling an obligation to scour every room dutifully is not fun and takes a lot out of the experience. I'm not really sure what they could do about that maybe just instead of hiding stuff in drawers and cupboards that you have to open one by one maybe just maybe just video gaming them a little bit and just putting them in like chests or boxes and you just look out for a box yeah it makes stuff glow a little bit if it's sitting on a table so you can just see that it's there and therefore if there's not a glowing thing on that table you don't have to run over to it and check to see if there's a thing that was one of the accessibility modes. You could make those items glow yellow. Oh, could you? Right, yeah. well, there you go. That's yeah. probably and worth I actually, enabling. On my Platinum run, I played through my second playthrough when I had to collect all the stuff with that on because it just makes spotting them so much easier. Yeah, I would do that probably. Uh, I, I agree. But yeah, that was that was annoying. I spoke about it at the time. Really hurt my thumb. Like, my thumb really hurt. Just like running along the edge of every surface, mashing the same button, square or whatever it was. Mm. Uh the Dark Souls series, and to a lesser extent, Bloodborne. This isn't a major mechanic as much as it is a major annoyance, but the wall collision detection is so off in those games, especially in tight corridors uh, or buildings. Weapons, and if they're of a certain size, then they will hit the wall every time. But when you when you swing your weapon at an enemy, it just bounces off the wall. It just goes, dung, and you don't hit them. You just bounce off the wall over and over again. And enemies can clip through the environments when they swing at you, and it doesn't matter. Ah. But you, when you swing at them, ding, and you just bounce back like an idiot. And I just hate that. That doesn't need to happen. Yeah. To stop that. If they can swing through walls, I should be able to swing through walls. Don't make me run through a corridor, like a tunnel or whatever, and have me bounce... Put enemies in it. It's just unfair. Like, I can't hit them most of the time. <laughs> it, you have to, like, hug the very left of the wall to give your right arm enough clearance to maybe swing properly. It's just yeah. not good. Don't like that. Finally, I'm sure you'll agree with this one, or maybe you won't. Fallout and Elder Scrolls being over-encumbered. Terrible, oh, boring Christ, mechanic. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that one. Boring, yeah. boring, boring, rubbish. It's already a, a fantasy RPG. 
don't don't make me manage my inventory like that. That's not fun. I don't enjoy it. And I, I, if anything, if they really wanted to include some kind of um, uh, mechanic that stops you just hauling loads and loads and loads of stuff, just don't make it that I can't walk or fast travel. That's ridiculous. Just mm-hmm. give me a debuff or something and say, that says like, okay, temporarily, like while you're waiting to like go back to town and sell all this your stuff. Your stamina and, is halved. Yeah, your stamina is halved or, you know, your attack damage is minus... 15% or whatever like just do something like that don't make it that I can't because the one thing you want to do when you've got loads of stuff is go alright I'll just head back to town and sell it but that's mm-hmm. the one thing you can't do when you've got loads of stuff because you can't walk or fast travel so they literally make it impossible to easily remedy the the issue that they are trying to stop you from doing like it, yeah. it's so backwards it is and I know yeah. you can get perks to make your ammo and um, aid food and so on weigh nothing yeah but to be honest it should just weigh nothing yeah it should ammo should weigh nothing don't want to have to pick how many flipping stim packs i'm bringing with me that's stupid or wheels of cheese like i know it's absurd you shouldn't be carrying any wheels of cheese in 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 an elder scrolls game so let me carry as many as i want yeah doesn't matter yeah there we go there's one that i uh thought of that I didn't know necessarily if you would bring it along, but I know that some people really don't like, which is um, the hacking in Bioshock with the pipes. Oh, I got really good at that game. I so like I'm not, that game. I'm not too fast. Yeah, it reminds me a bit of the Wallace and Gromit train game. So I'm oh, all yeah, right it with is. it. It is a bit. I didn't. Didn't they change it up for two? It was slightly different in two, wasn't it? You had to stop a needle. Oh, did you? I don't remember. I think that. I, I can't quite two, remember. But... I can't remember because I, I played them in quite close proximity to one another last year. And I seem to remember the, the hacking game changing slightly. I definitely preferred the the pipes mm. from Bioshock 1, though. Yeah. I did like that. But uh, there it's we basically are. basically what you do in um, Spider-Man hacking as well, isn't it, really? Yeah. The, or similar. Yeah, I suppose it is. I Again, people hated those. I, I didn't mind them. I quite liked them. <laughs> I didn't mind that. You didn't have to do them if you didn't want to. No, well, there you were didn't. Like a couple of occasions a tutorial you had to, one. Yeah. yeah, the all the story ones you did were really easy, but the optional yeah. ones got harder, but uh, I I quite like them. Yeah. Anyway, let us know how yes. much you hated those things as well or how much you love them. Yeah. Reach yeah. out. Let us know in the comments on the twitters and all the places that Peter's about to describe and tell. Well, they're you all just team triple jump. Our content goes out on YouTube and Twitch. Uh, youtube.com and twitch.tv I should say uh, forward slash team triple jump we put videos on YouTube of course and we stream on both of those platforms uh, remember if you've got Amazon Prime one of those benefits that comes with Amazon Prime is a, a free or an, an additional Twitch sub that you can just use uh, it won't cost you anything extra so consider uh, spending that on us if you like you'll get all the normal benefits we will benefit from it in the same normal financial way and uh, it's just bundled in so do it why not hmm. Uh, thank you, Lobrotovich, Mazdadactyl, and Trowling Badger for modding when we uh, are streaming on Twitch and YouTube. We've got social media at twitter.com and facebook.com forward slash team triple jump. Luke looks after Facebook and does a great job. Um, we've got a Patreon, patreon.com forward slash team triple jump. You can use that to ask questions on this podcast. You can get worst games ever early. You can do lots of other things. Go and check it out. There's lots of tiers. They're all very interesting. Mm. We've got a Discord. A little quick link to get there is bit.ly forward slash team triple jump. Uh, Jack and Joe are the mods over there, keeping it clean and safe and happy. 
the podcast, if you're watching on YouTube, can be uh, acquired in audio form via play.acast.com forward slash s forward slash triple jump and all the usual podcast outlets as well. Uh, the website is triplej.mup. That's triple ju dot mp. Uh, you can go to triplej.mup forward slash vods to watch all of our vods, which are going on YouTube, separate channel. Um, and on that channel, Pat is putting together weekly highlights. Uh, but don't go to the old shop. Go to triplejumpshop.com. That's a new URL. We've had it for a few weeks now. Uh, there's still the bits of the first the first drop available there. Um, and I'm sure there's a new drop coming soon. So you can follow at triplejumpshop on Twitter to stay up to date on that. Yeah, new merch, new shop. It's great. Absolutely. You can follow Peter on Instagram, where he'll soon be applying for a Pringles scholarship. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also on Twitter, at that Peter Austin, and myself, just on Twitter, at confused underscore dude. We do lists every Tuesday and Thursday, streams every Monday, Thursday and Friday. Thursday being the joint stream, Blaze It on YouTube. Blaze. Monday and Friday being the solo streams on Twitch. For, for, first Games Weather is definitely what I didn't mean to say. Worst Games mm. Ever is Fortnightly. Friday for patrons, Sunday for everyone else. It is not a Worst Games Ever week this week. The podcast is every Saturday. We do shows one every other week or thereabouts. Leave a review on iTunes, etc. It helps something to do with Al Gore's rhythms. We do appreciate it. Out this week, we have a new What It Means to Me, this time with Owen, editor extraordinaire from Cultaholic Wrestling. And you've probably seen his streams with Jack, where they manage the Cultaholic FC football team. Yeah. Um, and he's here to talk all about Gears of War 3. It's a good video. It Go is check a good it video. Out. I enjoyed it. Good good story. A happy tale. Absolutely. But Peter, there's one other place you can go because we have some relatively big news, right? That's right, actually. So if you go to the website that we just mentioned, triplej.mup, there's a tab there for careers that is sometimes populated with ads, but mostly not because we... We're not constantly advertising. However, mm-hmm. we're about to. Um, so uh, if if all goes to plan, we will have uh, job ads up there for a video editor, uh, perhaps a writer. We're still, we're still working that one out, probably, maybe. We'll see. Uh, but certainly, I think, um, a presenter, which is uh, something we've not advertised for before. So yeah. that's very exciting. We're looking to bolster our presenting team bring someone on who uh i mean we won't we don't want to make any promises yet what they exactly will and won't be doing but i imagine they'll be available to uh provide some hot takes on the podcast either regularly or from time to time doing lists uh perhaps doing new formats too we'll see we'll see what what goes down but certainly we would like uh, to bring on a new presenter 100%. I believe we are looking for UK-based applicants only because all of these positions are Mm full-time. So the ideal goal would be, when it is safe to do so, would be to have these people join us in the office and work with us. Uh, So a video editor would be working with Peter. Full-time writer would be working with me. Uh, A presenter would be working with with both of us and all of the team. So if you think you got the stuff... Reach on out to us. We want to hear from everybody when it comes to a presenter. A lot of people have been streaming on Twitch, a great foundation, and you can sort of show off what you're 
what you're worth by pointing us in the direction of your Twitch channel. So fingers crossed, as we're recording, the job listings aren't live, but we have been assured that they will be live by the time this podcast comes out. Yeah, so hence my tentative <laughs> descriptions and uh, reveal, yeah. Absolutely. If that's the case and they are live, go there now, triplejur.mup, probably forward slash careers, but as Peter said, there's a careers tab you can just click on by going to the the normal website and um, apply away. We look forward to hearing from you and hopefully we look forward to returning to the office and and having quite a sizable triple jump team there. Fun fun fact, we brought on our two uh, most recent full-time editors, Alex and Liam. Uh, After after lockdown was already had already happened right it was that mm-hmm. yeah because yeah. we didn't we didn't meet them at the office and then they started and i think they actually did go into the office a little bit but we weren't there so we've still not met them in person no. <laughs> and they've been with us for like probably six months now or longer so that's fun um no. so there'll be lots of new people for us to properly get to know when we finally return to the office yeah um should also say as well you you mentioned uh you know twitch channels are a, a good way to show yourself off if you're wanting to apply for the presenter role also Mm -hmm. of course if you've got a youtube channel or you've done youtube videos link us to that um and uh i'm i'm sure there'll be more detail in the brief on exactly what we want to see from you because perhaps you don't have a twitch or youtube channel but you do think that you've got what it takes and so you know i i imagine again the the advert hasn't been written yet but uh i imagine it will say uh you know just put something together, like whatever you want, just to show off what you can do. So it doesn't don't don't worry if you've not got a YouTube channel or a Twitch channel, because you'll be able to just make a thing to no. show yourself off. Of course. Yeah. And uh, as always, with you know any job, we would urge those with experience to apply. Yeah. Um, but as as previously stated, a lot of people have started streaming on Twitch this last year, and what better way to show off what you may be capable of than by linking to a Twitch channel or mm-hmm. streaming just in general. So if you're interested, and this is of course do- talking about the presenting role, if you're yep. interested, please do. Please do apply. We want to hear from you and uh, we look forward to welcoming three, hopefully, new full-time staff to the team. Mm-hmm. And we wouldn't be able to do that if it weren't for all of your amazing support Absolutely. across all of the different outlets where you can support us that Peter described we have grown quite significantly over the last 12 months, not just from a subscriber and view count base, but also from a, a team uh, standpoint as well. Yeah. And all of that costs money. And that money largely comes from you watching adverts or supporting us on Patreon or subscribing to us on Twitch or donating during live streams, giving bits, all that kind of stuff. It all helps. So thank Merch. you. Merch yeah. too, precisely. Absolutely. So yeah, thank you. Thank you everyone. We're we're growing. We are. Yeah. Triplejo.mup. Go there. Do it. Go check Careers it out. Tab. Right. Just time to talk about this week's sponsor, which which of course Call of Duty Boarzone. Mm. Those boars, oh pesky. Yeah. Eating all uh, eating all the farmer crops. Go go shoot them with your licensed Call of Duty Boarzone gun. Mm. Available Fantastic. now. That's real. You won't be bored with the Call of Duty bore zone. (laughs) (laughs) But you will be gored if you're not very good. Oh, very good. Very gored. (laughs) Okay, let's go. Bye, everyone. Bye.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.